Everybody say all in. All in. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Super excited. Today, uh, man, I, I was so close to wearing my glasses. I was like, oh, man, what would be a great way to illustrate the need for vision? I was like, maybe I'll wear my glasses. And then I put them on, and August said, Dad, why do you look like you're going to bed? And I'm like, oh, man, maybe, maybe I shouldn't wear these. Maybe I look a little rough. So maybe, so I took them off. I'm going to wear them. Maybe, maybe tonight for the, for the business meeting, I'll put them on. Maybe I'll look a little more astute. Um, it's a fun word to say, astute. Everybody say the word astute. I don't know what it means. I just think it means, like, good. Uh, anyway, so Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. Everybody turn around and say Vision Sunday. Proverbs 29 tells us this. 29 verse 18. I'm going to read the first part. And, and uh, I, I believe that there are different translations that, that don't contradict each other. They're all helpful. Um, but, but different translations translate different words or use different words in place to get better nuance and meaning to certain words that are used in the biblical language. And I, and I love the ESV version. It says this, where there is no prophetic vision... Right, the King James would use it where there is no vision, but I love that the ESV uses prophetic vision because essentially we know this, that vision, when we talk about Vision Sunday, I'm not going in a room and just thinking, what is the greatest strategy for our church? When, it talks, when we talk about getting a God-sized vision, it starts in the place of prayer. Prophetic vision means, Lord, here I am, speak to me, I'm listening. So when we're talking about casting vision as a church, we're saying this, we're, we are partnering with God, we're coming alongside God and saying, Lord, I've got nothing to offer you. I got, I got a ministry coach, a good friend of mine, he's a counselor, a pastor, and uh, I meet with him pretty regularly. His name is Yanni, and, and, and when we meet, he, he says this, Stephen, you are probably one of the greatest strategists uh, that, that, that I know of. He, he, counsels a, he counsels and coaches a bunch of pastors. He says, you're one of the greatest strategists I know. When you approach God, I want you to approach him as one of the worst strategists. And it broke me. Because God, I, I don't want to do anything in my own wisdom, in my own strength, according to my own strategy, according to, to my intellect. Lord, I want to come to you empty-handed. This is why when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he says, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with smart and persuasive words so that, your, so that your confidence would rest in the intellect of man. I came to you as someone who was a fool so that you would recognize that it is the Lord's power that uses us so that no one should boast before him. So friends, when we're talking about Vision Sunday, I want to just let you know very up front, you bring my Bible, what a guy, give it up for Ben. <laughs> You guys almost didn't have a sermon. It was going to be a talk. Just kidding. Anyway, um, when we go to God, we say, God, I'm empty-handed. I'm, I'm thankful for the skills, the giftings, every, the, I'm thankful for everything you've given me. But God, I'm coming to you empty-handed. And that's what we've done. This is why we have our 21 days of prayer and fasting. One of the things that I'm doing is saying, Lord, uh, this year, the next 365 days ahead of us, uh, I can't lead a church you're the one who builds your church, right? Jesus literally said, the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. So, so Jesus, I need you to help me. I need you to empower us. I need your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to, to fill us, to empower us, to do the things you've called us to do. But Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, the King James Version would, would simply say this, they perish. Where there is no prophetic vision, where there, when God is not speaking, people are perishing. 
That's a fact. When you don't fill your life with the good news, with the gospel, when you're not filling your life with, with the message of God, the message of Jesus, the words of Christ, when you're not filling your life with scripture, friends, you are slowly wilting away. Don't come to me and say you're depressed and saddened and you know, you're having a hard time. The first thing I'm going to say is, are you in the word of God? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Proverbs 29, 18, I love what Eugene Peterson did here as he gave us this incredible paraphrase. He said this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But B, the second part of verse 18 says this, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I've, I've kind of given, I, I work in diagrams, and this is, this is how you would diagram that very passage. God's vision, he reveals it what his desires, and ultimately we know that, that the, the, the vision of God is revealed in the Word of God. God is never going to give you a vision that contradicts his Word. Amen? His, his vision for your life is always going to align with Scripture. But God's vision, when we are giving it full attention and when we're listening to God, we are most blessed. But when God reveals his vision, and if we disregard it or if we ignore God, we are stumbling. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, just last weekend, and our weekends are Monday and Tuesday, uh, so we work Wednesday through Sunday uh, in, in ministry, uh, at least at Zayek Church. Uh, last weekend, after Sunday's uh, message, I kind of, I'm, I'm a spur-of-the-moment kind of guy. Like, Pastor Justin is a very, like, planner, thinker, methodical. He's kind of a sergeant, like just very, just very methodical. I mean, you, he, he would say to, of himself, he's boring because he's so scheduled. He knows his routine. You know exactly what he's going to do. I'm kind of like just fluid and I just do what I want, right? Like, like I, I, that's just the way I am. And I'm thankful for both, for both personality types. We need them in the kingdom, right? So, so I, I sometimes, and he, he's like my wife, Katie, and Lisa is like me, my sister-in-law. She's like me. And last moment, I was like, hey, guys, let's go camping, right? And they're like, what? We're not planned. We're not prepared. Justin, I could tell, is just like sweating. He's thinking of it. He's like, oh, it's camping. First of all, I hate being outside. I hate getting my hands dirty. I hate these different things. And you hate bugs and this and that. I'm like, guys, we can just, we can cook over an open fire. And right? I have like bug eyes when I'm saying this. Like, we're going to do this and do this. And, and I'm getting super excited. Lisa's like, yeah. And Katie and Pastor Justin are like, oh, no. Right? Like, they're just like stressing out. Finally, the, the extroverts won. And, and we finally ended up going camping last week. Here's a picture of us. Uh, we brought my brother-in-law, Dwayne, me and all the kids. We were just shooting bow and arrows. We found some bow and arrows in the middle of the woods, and we are just shooting them, and it was, it was a great time. We went to New Life Ranch, a beautiful place where our youth are going to go for their winter retreat. They go every single year. And uh, what, one thing that, that they do there at New Life Ranch is they give ministers uh, a, a free stay every quarter. So I'm like, guys, let's go now. We got Vision Sunday next week, a lot of business, a lot of preparation. Let's go. Just let's have some fun. It's going to be free. All we got to do is pay for food. So they're like, all right, fine. All right, so we we went and we had a great time. Uh, our kids brought their scooters and they're just scooting around all the campground and stuff. And there's this really cool hill that they go down. And I, and I discovered that my kids aren't accustomed to scooting on, on downhill slopes because we live in Kansas and this is Oklahoma, Arkansas. So there's a lot of hills and a lot of, a lot of elevation. Here in Kansas, the only elevation we have is like from the first step of our house to like the, the floor and that's it. Like, so they're, they're, they're not used to, to elevation. Or, or at least a steep uh, decline in elevation. So they're going down this hill, and there's a little trepidation. They're a little nervous. And I've noticed that August was stopping with his foot. Aubrey's just, 
she's just gracious. She's a little princess, and she just like knows how to stop, and she doesn't go too fast. And Desmond, he just—he's Desmond. I, there's no hope for his safety. I've just—I've just discovered that like he's just going to be the one that we rush to the hospital. But August, he's more of our our, our thinker, our methodical philosopher. Uh, so I know if I give him instruction, he's going to think about it, stew on it, and then finally listen. But but when it came to going down the hill. I was like, dude, you got to use the back of your foot to step on that brake so it slows down your back wheel so that you're not going too fast. And then if you go too fast, you're going to flip. And, but he was doing something different. He was putting his right foot down and slowing down with his foot. And I saw it like kind of shake because he's going so fast. And I'm like, dude, what's going to happen is you're going to get that foot in front of your front wheel and you're going to eat it, dude. Like, so, so don't do this. And I kept telling him, I kept telling him, and he wasn't listening and he was having a lot of fun. So guess what happens? He didn't listen to his father's instruction, his father's foresight. He didn't attend to the, to the, to the knowledge that the, the father gave him, and instead he ate it. Here's another picture. I don't know if you can see clearly. Let's go to the next picture. He ate it. His face was like all cut up. He, he had a cut on his nose, a cut on his lips, a cut on his chin, a cut on his elbow. Like It was just like... Like, I was just so brokenhearted when I was like tending to that and I was just telling them all the story. I don't know why dads do this. I'm starting to realize like when my kids get hurt, I tell them of stories of when I got hurt even worse. Why do, we, why do dads do that? I don't know. It just came out of me like, oh, don't worry, buddy. One time I, you know, fell off a car going at 30 miles an hour. I'm all right. <laughs> You'll be all right. So, so like, you know, I don't know what it is. But so, so I mean, here, here's the thing. When God gives us a vision... When God gives us a word, when God gives us instruction, the safest and best thing we can do is to attend to that, to, to listen to that, to apply that, or else you're going to get scratched up. And some of us, if we're being honest, we bear the scars of moments that we did not listen to God. And God is gracious. He covers over a multitude of sins. But some of us are still holding on to the ramifications of those moments that we chose to say, Lord, your vision, what you've revealed, it, it ain't for me. And here's the beauty. His mercies renew each day. The opportunity to say yes is here. The moment to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going all in. I may have held back in years past and moments gone by, but Lord, I, I'm going all in. Today, for Vision Sunday 2023, my message to us is all in. Simply that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46. And, and we've kind of spent time, I'm going to read this in a second, but we kind of spent time talking about people who've gone in. We looked at the prophet Isaiah who told the Lord, Lord, here I am, send me. You can listen to that a few weeks ago. Pastor Kenny discussed uh, the, the woman who's literally known as the sinful woman who had an alabaster jar full of perfume and instead of just reserving some of it, she poured it all out on the feet of Jesus. We saw Samuel, a young boy who was serving in the temple, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter if you're a sinful woman, it doesn't matter if you are a young boy, Samuel, it doesn't matter if you are a, a prophet, Isaiah, who lives among us, sinful people, and who himself, by his own word, says, I am a person of unclean lips. God's desire is for all of us, collectively, as one church, to say, I'm going going all in. It's all yours. So today I'm looking at men and women who are perfect candidates to carry what God desires to do in our church. Amen. Matthew 13 verse 44. Jesus is giving a parable and this is what we would consider a doublet. Uh, 
in, in teaching, Jesus is going to use the exact same story and kind of give different or the same exact message, but just two types of the same message. So we're going to read two different examples, two different scenarios, two different parables that are saying the exact same thing. Look what is said in verse 44. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like, like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Right? So according to Jesus, a laborer is out in a field. This is just a story. Jesus is not trying to, you know, give, give you the freedom to kind of do something immoral, right? Some people are like, wait a second, that didn't belong to him. And he just covered it back up and just was like, oh, I'm going to go buy that. Jesus is not allowing you to like go to your neighbor's house, find something in their basement, you know, like, or, or, or maybe find some oil in, in a piece of land and be like, I'm going to buy that piece of land, right? So, no, he's not, he's not doing it. He's not advising that. He's saying this, the kingdom of heaven, the, the ethics of Christ, the, the gospel, like a, uh, the way that we should receive it is by going all in. So here he's saying in his joy, he sold all he had and he bought the field. The next one, this is the second one, right next to the verse right after that. Again, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Jesus claims, according to these parables, that the best and only way to embrace his way of life, to embrace his kingdom, to embrace his ethics, to embrace his rule of our life, the only way and the best way to, to embrace all of that is completely. Totally, 100%. In fact, I would take it a step further and say Jesus is an all-or-nothing kind of Savior. He's either king and master over your life or he's not. There is no halfway. There is no Jesus, I'll give you my Sundays and may, maybe my Wednesdays when we have prayer, but I, got, I, get, I get dibs on the rest of the week. There is no, hey, Jesus, I'll give you my marriage and my relationship uh, my dating relationship when I'm at church on Sundays or in the public eye, but the moment we are undercover or, uh, you know, uh, all bets are off, Lord, you're no longer my Savior. Jesus says, I'm either Savior and Master overall or not at all. And I'm not talking about those moments when we fail and mess up and sin, but if we are giving us freedom to do that, I'm saying you are not using the power that grace actually is for your life. He desires so much more for you. Jesus is not this cosmic killjoy that just wants to destroy and ruin your fun. He understands this, that life is most enjoyed when we say, Lord, you are master 100% of the time. Amen. Everything. So what is our reaction to this? This all-in type of parable that says, you know, go sell everything and come, come to me and, and, and buy what I... What, what, is our, what is our response? The first one is this. Our first reaction is joy. Yeah. Joy. Joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Our reaction is joy. Look what it says here in verse 44. I'm going to read the second sentence. When a man found it, when he found this, this treasure, this, this treasure in the field, when he found something so glorious that he's like, this is worth a lot of money, it said that he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. God's heart for you, friend, is, is to receive this message of truth, this kingdom, this, this, this mission that he's given us with complete joy. 
I love what Bruce Barton says about this. He's a commentator. He says this, Becoming a Christian is all about deepest needs being met, longings satisfied, deepest hurts bandaged, and a future and a hope unlike any other. It all adds up to joy. If your faith is grim and your life bleak, let God put some of His wonderful joy back where it should be. Joy. Joy. Down in my heart. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I told myself I wouldn't. I'm not going to do it. But did you know this? I've kind of been leaning into this over the last couple of weeks. Everything Jesus does, in fact, I'll say this, everything Jesus calls us to do, he's already initiated himself. So when he, when he tells us to serve, it's because he served. When he tells us to love, it's because he first loved us. When he, when he tells us to, to pick up our cross and follow after him, it's because he did the same thing. When, when he tells us to have joy in the midst of persecution, it's because he himself displayed the very exact same thing. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we see, see this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the initiator, the inaugurator, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. How was it that Jesus was able to look at the, 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 the grim cross and choose joy? Because he didn't look at the circumstance of the cross. He saw what was to come. He understood that the cross meant this, the approval of the Father. He loved to please his Father. But he also understood that it meant that you and I would come into relationship with the creator of our souls. We can do anything with the spirit of joy. And I'm not talking to fake it till you make it. I'm not saying go to a funeral and your heart is broken and just choose to smile. I'm saying this even in those moments where we're, there's tears coming down our eyes and we're gritting our teeth and clenching our fists, we can still have a demeanor of joy because we know ultimately he is victorious. That means we can walk through difficulties. We can walk through trials. We can walk through temptation and say, Jesus, I choose joy because joy has chosen me. I love you, Lord. I'm choosing joy. So what is our response? What is, what is our, 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 our action, our attitude as we're saying, God, we're going all in? Listen, it's joy. It's joy, it's joy, it's joy. Secondly, we see in this parable that we are to reject everything else. All else needs to be rejected. Matthew 13, once again, look at our parable. When this man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had. This is huge. This is huge. This means this. We don't hedge our bets. We don't ladder our investments when it comes to the kingdom of God. Right? Laddering your investment is a, is a, is a good uh, financial practice when you're investing. They say don't put all your eggs in, the, in one basket because if, if that market collapses, you're in big trouble. So you ladder your investments. And you, I'm not giving you financial advice, right? So don't, so don't take my, I'm not telling you what to invest in. I'm not saying go buy some crypto. I'm not saying to the moon, right? Like, like I'm just saying this. When it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we don't hedge our bets and say, you know what, I'm going to put 10% in Buddhism, 10% in Islam, 10% in human, humanitarianism, 10% in, in, you know, all these different things, and, and then 10% in Jesus, just to be certain, right? In case that's wrong, at least I've laddered my investments and I'm going to be covered in all places. No, no, we are saying this. When we invest in the kingdom, we're all in. Everything. My words, my beliefs, 
my ethics, my values, my gender identity, my sexual identity, everything is 100% in to Jesus. And, and listen, you, you may not be ready to say that, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to force you to do anything that you're not ready to do, but I'm telling you this morning, the kind of, of, of desire Jesus has for us is 100% all in. Despite what the word, world says, despite what culture says is deems popular and acceptable, we are saying, Jesus, we are going all in. It's all for you. And we are selling everything else. Every false ideology, everything that sets itself against the knowledge of Christ, every desire, every preference. We got a lot of preferences. There's songs that I wish we'd sing in church, and those are preferences. But I'm setting it aside for the kingdom's sake. Preferences, everything. We set it aside and we say, Jesus, I'm rejecting everything else and I'm going all in. God's grace is free. It costs us everything and promises all things. God's grace is free. It costs us everything and promises all things. This is why Jesus says, Remember, we've talked over the last couple of weeks when Jesus lost a couple of his, of his followers. And we see when his, when his teachings got tough, people began to bow out. The moment he said, I am the bread of life, people were like, oh, no, no thanks, Jesus. Thanks for feeding us in the wilderness, but ah, thanks for showing us the miracles. Thanks for healing my leprosy, but uh, I don't know if I can do this. So I'm going to bow out instead of going all in. Jesus' teachings started getting serious, and he says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You ready to wince a little bit in pain? Anybody who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus is not giving you permission to disregard your parents. He's not giving you permission to abuse and neglect your children. He's simply saying this. Consider the most basic desires of life. We are just hot-wired because we bear the thumbprint of a holy God. We are naturally, instinctively hardwired to love our children and to honor our mother and father. It's, it's, just, it's just the way God has designed all of us. We are all born with that natural inclination to just care for our children, right? You remember when, you're, when that baby came out. I, I did not, I was terrified of children, friends, before we started having kids. I remember being a 25-year-old young whippersnapper pastor and we'd be doing like, we'd be doing uh, baby dedications and, and it would be my turn to hold a baby and I'd be like, here we're gonna dedicate this child to the Lord. Like I was like super nervous. But then the moment I became a dad, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just wanna like, rat, like oh, just, not to say I don't love your children, I do, but just something instinctively happens. Like, whoa, this is a crazy phenomena. He's not saying don't love your kids. He's not saying don't love your parents. He's simply saying this. We position our love for Jesus first because he unlocks in us the ability to love everyone else deeper. When it comes to the kingdom, we recognize, Lord, you're not calling me not to love my parents. You want me to honor them. 
That's, that's, a, that's a command that comes with a promise, a long life. You're not telling me not to love my children. You've given them to me. What are you telling me to do? To love you first. To put you first. In fact, he would take it a step further and say, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of me. He's not saying don't ever stumble while you're carrying the cross. He's saying, because Jesus himself stumbled. He's saying this, pick up your cross, follow after me. And that's a hard thing to do, but this is what he calls us to. C.S. Lewis would comment on this. He would say this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a, of a vacation at the sea. When you and I find it difficult to go all in, it's because we are being short-sighted. Because we're so enthralled with what we think is better. Some of you, some of you it's video games, some of you it's addictions and vices and things that you just hold on to and you just fill your life with because you, you're just so enthralled with what is here and now. But C.S. Lewis is teaching us and telling us, he's like, man, it's like a, a, a child who's having fun making mud pies in the slums when he's, he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. God is literally saying, hey, come and follow me and I'll give you an incredible journey and it's, it's going to be ambitious and great and grandiose, but instead you're choosing like, no, thanks God, I'm having fun here. If there's anything I know about this is, I remember when my kids were younger and, and I would be trying to take something out of their hands, right, like a toy or something or, or a candy, uh, it would be very difficult for them to, to pry their hands open and to, and to let go of what they already had, right? This lollipop, it's the best in the world. I don't want, not, no one's going to take it. But they didn't understand, like, I'm offering you something more nutritious, something that is greater for you, something that's going to have a long-term benefit. So, so let it go, let it go. And we're just like, no, 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 God, it's mine. I want this. I need this. I, 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 this is my identity. I'm wrapped up in this. And God's like, let it go. Go all in for my kingdom. Go all in. Go all in. And third, so we know this, we receive it with joy. That's our attitude. God's desire is for us to forsake all else, to sell all else. And third, our response is all in. Matthew 13, 44, look what it says. When a man found it, when he found the kingdom of heaven, when he found that treasure, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had. And then he bought that field. Friends, anything less, anything less than all in is a life that you fold. Now I'm using those terms that you would use if you were playing, you know, hold them or something like that, like, like anything less than all in is a life that we fold. God's heart is for you to go all in. Philippians 3, 7 and 8, Paul was someone who understood this perfectly. You see, when you study the course of Paul's life, by the standards of the, the Jewish leaders and priests of his day, he was a gold star Jew. Like, Top, top of the class, super intellectual, 
zealous. In fact, just a few verses before in Philippians 3, he's just kind of showing a little of his resume. He's like, man, I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm from the, from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, which was a requisite of the law. He's like, I've been following Jesus since my eight, or God since my eighth day. I've been, and I'm so zealous for the traditions of our fathers. And he's going through this long list. He's like, if anybody has room to boast about their accomplishments, it's me. Right? He's got like the best 401k, the greatest pension plan, the greatest entrepreneurial. I've started businesses, sold them for millions. I've got things to brag about, Paul is saying. In verse 7, he says, I once thought these things were valuable. I once wrapped up my identity in those very things. I once hung all of who I was on my achievements in life. But now... I consider them worthless because of what Jesus has done. Goes on in verse 8. He says, Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, as rubbish, so that I could gain Christ. This is Jesus' desire for you and I. He is, his desire is that we look at what we once had and say, Lord, in comparison to the infinite blessing of knowing you, it's meaningless. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Over the summer last year, Katie and I went to a Convoy of Hope event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And while we were there, one of our favorite things to do, Katie and I, is, is when we get a chance to go away and go on ministry trips and things like that, we, we love, uh, especially the times when the kids aren't with us and they're, you know, staying back, uh, we love to go to antique stores. Something about going antiquing is just, your pastor is a nerd. Like, it's just fun, right? Like, you get to go and, and see a bunch of cool things. And, and this time we went to uh, uh, Idaho, right, right near Seattle, and uh, I went to the sporting section and I saw a bunch of, of like basketball and sports paraphernalia. And uh, while I was there, I realized something that uh, the Bulls played the Seattle Supersonics in the finals a long time ago. So people in Seattle area despise Michael Jordan because that man was a terror to them. And people in Chicago love Michael Jordan because he is a hero of ours. And when I go to antique stores in Chicago and I visit my parents, all of the Bulls merch is incredibly marked up. But when I went to this antique store in Seattle, where there was a uh, you know, bunch of Seattle teams on the flag, I saw, or on the sign, I, I noticed that they don't like Jordan very much, and I found a bunch of Jordan paraphernalia memorabilia. And guess what? It was a treasure hidden in the antique store. So Katie and I are shopping. We're rummaging and my hands are getting full. Kate's like, you know, we got to fly back. How are you going to bring all this? I'm like, I don't care if I have to walk home. Like, this is what I have. Like, I'm, I'm bringing it with. I'm going to, I'm going to leave my golf clubs behind, right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm making sure that this is getting on the plane with me. Kate's like, well, we got a, a two-mile Uber ride back to the hotel. Like, we, 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 you know, we took a, we, we got there. We got to still get back there. And I'm like, Kate, I think we're walking. She's like, why? I'm like, 
because I used all our money for these Jordan things. Katie, you, you have no idea how valuable, this is only half of it, not even a half, this is a third. You have no idea how valuable this is. Katie, this is the, the, uh, the Sports Illustrated edition of, of when Michael Jordan won the first championship in 1991. And Kate, not just that, but this is when they repeated. Like this is huge, Katie. And, and not just that, but this is when they first three-peated. And then I kept going. I'm like, this is when he retired. And then this is when he played for the, for the Birmingham uh, Barons. And then this is when he uh, went back the fifth time. And this is when they got Rodman. And this is when they sixth. This is like, Katie, this is awesome. And then I was like, Katie, I found Michael Jordan's restaurant. It's a go bag from his restaurant, Katie. It doesn't exist anymore. Like, this is so incredible. We're walking back to the hotel because I got treasure. God's heart for you is to recognize the treasure that is being offered for following after him. To say, Lord, if I have to walk a hundred miles for the rest of my life and behold and have you in my possession, it's worth it. God, I'm throwing all caution to the wind and I'm going all in this Vision Sunday. God's heart for us is this. We are, he already communicated us last year. Who do you have to become? What do you have to do to see me transform 500 lives by the time we turn 100? Zaic Church will be 100 years old on December 20th, 2024. We will have been faithfully preaching the gospel for 100 years years, friends. A century. Give God praise. I'm calling the mayor. I'm bringing in the president, whoever that will be at the time. I, I don't know how that's going to work, but everyone's coming. Everyone's coming. We're going to celebrate this. We're going to celebrate this. But we have a mandate from heaven. God is saying, who do you have to become? What do you have to do to see me transform 500 lives by the time we turn 100? That's not my vision statement. That's not the leadership's vision statement. The Lord has given me that to reveal to us that this is our design. This is our mission, not just mine. God desires that every single one of these chairs would be filled with men and women who are in need of a Savior. This is our mission. So we're going all in, Lord. We're going to be generous. We're going to serve. We're going to give. We are going all in. And the question I have for you is, are you ready? There was a missionary. His name was A.W. Milne, born 1785 in Scotland. He was a missionary who loved Jesus. He got saved later on in life, and he was just an all-in kind of guy. In fact, he signed up to be what was known as a one-way missionary. Meaning, when he went to the mission field, he booked a one-way ticket, not a round trip. He's like, I'm not coming home. And guess where he got called? He got called to the Polynesian Islands, Pacific Islanders, who at the time of his life were known as headhunters. And every single missionary that had gone to those islands was martyred. So when I'm talking about he booked a one-way ticket, it's because he knew he probably wasn't coming back. He didn't hedge his bets and say, well, I'm just going to go a step into the island, and then if they start throwing spears, I'll back out. He said, I'm going all in. In fact, 
Historians tell us that he purchased a coffin and instead of packing a suitcase, he put all of his belongings in a coffin, booked a one-way ticket and said, I'm going where the gospel needs to be proclaimed. I'm taking the mission of Jesus serious. I'm going to the highways and the byways and I'm not looking at the safety of my life as, it, as I'm throwing all caution to the wind and I'm going all in for this king who's gone all in for me. And he booked this one-way ticket. He went to preach the gospel to a people group who martyred every single missionary before him. And in fact, A.W. Milne was actually very successful. He preached the gospel. He lived his life there. He learned the language. In fact, because of A.W. Milne, we had the first, the first Bible translated in the language of the people he went to serve. A.W. Milne did a great work. When he died, he didn't die because he was martyred. He died because of natural causes. And the people of Malaysia, where he went, which would be modern-day Malaysia, an island off of Malaysia, the people wrote on his tombstone, A.W. Milne, when he came, there was no light. But when he left, when the Lord took him from this world, there was no darkness. Friends, God is calling us to be A.W. Mills. He may not be calling us to go across seas and preach the gospel to people groups who are headhunters. That may not be the same calling for us. He may be calling you to stay in Wichita. He may be calling you to continue working, to continue loving your family. He may be calling you, in fact, not maybe, he is calling you to, to make sure that missions and that the gospel is still being proclaimed around the world. This is our mission field here now, but we are called to send missionaries around the world and support and partner in prayer and to give and to give and to give and say, Lord, I'm all in. I believe that in this place, if you and I are going to see 500 people transformed by the time we turn 100, we need to double the size of our serve team. We need to double the size of our giving. We need to double everything and say, God, we are going all in. We're not holding anything back. We're not hedging our bets. We're not laddering our investments. We are all into your kingdom. So friends, here's how I want us to end. If you would join me in standing. Let's take this moment sacred. God is in this room. He's been speaking to our hearts from the very beginning. The first person showed up. God has been speaking to our hearts. And I believe this. God wants you and I to go all in and reaching the world. In our little corner of Kansas, Wichita, Kansas, God wants us to reach the world because of your generosity last year every single year, and I'm going I'm to explain and tease this out tonight, every single year we budget 90% of last year's income as this year's budget. So in 2023, we, 2022, we saw a great increase in generosity and your faithfulness. That's telling me you believe in the mission, you're, bought, you're all in, you're bought into what God is doing. Every year when we make our budget, we base it off of 90% of last year's income. That's just sound practices. Which means this, because of our increase in giving, that means 
we have to increase our mission support. If we say 10% of every dollar that comes in goes straight out the door to missions, that means we got to raise our missions budget. So this year, God has given us, because of your generosity, a surplus in missions giving. So we're doubling down in, our, in reaching the world. God wants us to be a disciple-making church. He doesn't want us to be a church that just makes churchgoers. We want to be disciple makers because here's the thing. When you are a disciple of Jesus, you go to church. But just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean you are a disciple. What does disciple mean? It means a learner, a follower. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey my commands. That is discipleship, the process of being more and more like Jesus. This year, we're going all in. This is a shirt that we've made, we've designed in-house. We only have 30 available, but it's a a shirt that is telling us we are going all in. In the back, it says, all in. We make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We are taking serious this mandate to go all in. My prayer, my prayer is that you say, here I am, send me. Every eye closed, every head bowed. God's desire for you, friend, is to say, Jesus, I'm I'm all in. How are you going all in with God in 2023? I believe tonight or this morning, God's heart is for us to say tonight, Lord, this is how I'm choosing to go all in. If If it means joining a surf team, if it means being on a ministry team, if it means starting a ministry or, or going into a community group or leading up a community group if it means me finally confessing that, that, that thing that I've been holding on to for so long so that I can see freedom if it, whatever it means I'm, I'm going all in if it means me taking serious this, this need to allow God into my marriage into my relationship with my significant other if, if it means me making sure that I'm leading my kids to, to follow Jesus it means all of those things Lord, I'm, I'm going all in. And I believe his question for you is how is that going to live out in the context of the church you call home, Zave Church? God doesn't want to bless Zaic Church without you. He wants to bless Zaic Church because of you. You've got a calling on your life and it's time we tell the enemy to be quiet and that he no longer has a control over us, and that we are free in Christ Jesus, that we are empowered by his Holy Spirit to do big things for his kingdom, that we are going all in. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter if we're on the soccer field. It doesn't matter if we're on the basketball court. It doesn't matter if we're at school. It doesn't matter if we're at the marketplace. It doesn't matter if we're at Dillon's or wherever it may be. We are all in all of the time. every heart, every hand. Let's lift up our hands this morning. As we conclude, let's just say, Jesus, we're we're all yours. Go ahead and tell them in your own words, Jesus, I'm yours. My heart is yours. My affection is yours. My desires are yours. Lord, forgive me for the times when I turn to the left and to the right. Forgive me for the times that my eyes are like Peter, who the moment his eyes were shifted away from you, he began to sink But the moment he he began looking at you, he did the miraculous. He was walking on water. 
God, this year is a year. This year of our Lord, 2023, you want us to do the impossible, to walk our, on our own proverbial water, to do the impossible, so that when people look at us, they're like, what is going on there? How is God transforming and healing so many lives? It's because Zaic Church is a church full of men and women who've said, we are all in. We're all in. Lord, may this attitude, this radical attitude of going all in, may this be the new normal. Lord, you are looking for a pure church, a pure bride, a passionate bride who loves the mission you've given us. Let us not settle for less. Let's not just be churchgoers any longer. Let's go all in. Let us show up early and leave late. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's seek after a God who loves us and is sought after us. Let's seek people out. and let's, let's see people saved and set free before we even step into church because you are leading us and guiding us through your Holy Spirit. Let's see baptisms. Let's see salvations. Let's see baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let's see, let's see people speaking in tongues. Let's see miracles. Let's see signs. Let's see wonders, Jesus, because we are choosing to go all in. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's worship, friends.